So we will get started in just a few moments. And while everybody's waiting, I um, just want to give a few announcements. The call today will be recorded and available on the MitoAction website at www.mitoaction.org podcasts. Um, and it will be available within a, a few hours after we complete the call. We will also be doing a written transcript of the call. Um, that will be available um, probably within a week or so after um, today's call as well. And also want to give out my cell phone number. If anybody has any issues or needs a question answered immediately, feel free to text me at 248-797-2399, and I will um, try to get back to you as quickly as possible. So we have about uh, two minutes before we get started. Hope everybody had a great new year and um, staying warm in this cold weather. We're really kicking off 2018 with a bang in terms of the weather. Yes, enough already. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. For sure. So in Pittsburgh, how much snow have you guys got? Oh, no, yeah, no, the the snow missed us. It's just uh, brutally cold. The cold, yeah. Here, too, we were, at 6 o'clock this morning, we were, like, 15 below zero. So all of our schools are closed today. Yeah, likewise. Mm-hmm. Hello? This is, um... Hi, yeah. Is this Kira speaking? Yes, it is. Hi, who is this? So, hi, this is George Mulligan calling from Rider Bridge. Hi, George. How are you? Welcome. Thank you. Nice to speak with you. And... I know I'm not on the agenda for later, but I just figured I'd use this number to dial in, and then I may have to meet you. I'll be on mute. Yeah, that's perfect. So what for our speakers that are on the line right now, if you guys can use star six to mute your line until it's your turn to present, and I'll, I'll let you know um, and, and introduce you before it's your turn to start. So if you can hit star six to mute, or you can just use the mute function on your on your phone, whatever's easier. Um, so we're excited to have everybody here today. We've got about one more minute, and we are going to get started. Um, we've got a full okay. agenda today, so we're excited. Hey, was, that, was that you out there, Phil? I thought I heard you, and I thought I heard a Pittsburgh yeah, guy out there. I, I, I am here, George. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, happy to hear. Yeah, same to you. Okay, so it is it is officially 12 o'clock, so let's go ahead and get started. I um, want to wish everybody a happy new year, and thank you for joining today's 2018 Lido Town meeting. Um, like I said, I hope everyone's keeping warm, especially our East Coast community who got hammered yesterday with some snow. Um, before we start, just want to do a few housekeeping items. Again, a reminder for the speakers, if you can use star six to mute your phone line until it's your time to present, um, you can use the mute button on your own line. And our callers who are just listening, they are going to be muted, so we will not be able to hear you throughout the call. Um, anybody that has any questions or needs of something addressed immediately, you can text me at area code 248. 797-2399, or you can email at kyra at mitoaction.org. So, again, welcome to everybody. I'm Kyra Mann, CEO of Mito Action, and we are thrilled to host today's call. Um, 
The call today will be recorded and available later this afternoon at www.mitoaction.org forward slash podcast. And we will also have a written summary available of the call in the coming weeks, and that will be on the Mito Action website. Um, so stay tuned, and we'll be sending out information when that written summary is available. So we are excited to get started today. It's hard to believe we're already in 2018, and the spell set is you know, it's already the, almost the end of the first week of the year. It's already uh, flying by. So, But we're really excited about 2018. We have a full agenda today, and we're really looking forward to hearing from all the various organizations in our community about their plans for the upcoming year. We have some exciting new programs. Um, new, new research, new studies, and so we're really looking forward to everybody sharing that with us today. Um, first, I want to start off um, Mito Action, give everybody an update on what's going on at Mito Action. We have some exciting new programs that we're looking to launch for 2018 um, and some new partnerships. One of the first events is a family weekend. Um, as you know, historically, Mito Action has supported our Mito kids going to summer camp. And so we're going to be expanding that program this year and actually hosting 32 families and caregivers to go and spend a weekend at the camp and just having fun and letting us love on them for the weekend. Um, so we will be partnering with FMM for that program. That will be the first, or I'm sorry, the second weekend in October at Victory Junction in North Carolina. So everyone stay tuned. We'll have a lot more details about that new and exciting program coming out in the coming weeks. Another initiative that we're excited to launch this year is our new Mito app. We're partnering with an organization called Care3 to offer um, a new updated comprehensive care management tool to the community. And it will offer symptom tracking, scheduling of all of your appointments, um, and allow your entire care team, including the physicians, caregivers, and families, to all be a part of the conversation of helping their loved one with their care. Um, there will be detailed reporting available for physicians that will help them make better care decisions and really getting a better picture of the experiences and challenges that the patient has had since their last visit. And in phase two, we'll be um, offering act uh, activity tracking using um, the activity uh, monitoring devices. And we have a lot more exciting new uh, features that will roll out in phase two or three. So we're really excited to offer this to the MITO community, and that will be available, we're hoping, by the end of March, beginning of April. So stay tuned, and we'll have a lot more information about that. Um, and then also this year, we're excited to roll out a new patient education form series that will provide patients with an opportunity to really engage one-on-one -on -one with our um, MITO experts and to interact with each other in um, a more intimate setting. Um, and so we'll, we'll be rolling that program out starting in February of 2018, and we'll be having these live events across the country. So we're really excited about some of these new initiatives. And I also will be introducing in just a minute our um, Mito Action staff will share some more exciting activities and programs that we have going on for 2018. And we're also really excited about a partnership that we've been working on with the Foundation for Mitochondrial Medicine and uh, the MMS on a new initiative that will launch on Monday, and Dr. Amy Goldstein will be sharing uh, more details later in the call about that program. So, um, again, welcome, everybody. We're excited to be here today, and let's uh, continue. So, first, I'd like to start by introducing the Mito Action staff. 
who, can, who are going to share with you, uh, like I said, some of the new programs and exciting things we have going on for 2018. The first staff member that I'd like to introduce to you is Shawnee Lamb, who is our Director of Fundraising and Special Events. Shawnee? Hello? Shawnee, are you here with us? Okay, how about let's move on to Mary Beth. Mary Beth. I'm, I'm here. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Hi, Mary Beth. So Mary Beth is our Director of Patient Support and Advocacy. And welcome, Mary Beth. And if you can share with the community. Certainly. Thank you for having me. And welcome to all of our callers and um, our presenters today. I turned to MitoAction over 10 years ago in need of information and support myself. And shortly thereafter began taking calls as a Mito411 volunteer. As my passion to help the MITO community grew, so has my role. As Director of Education, Support, and Advocacy, I strive to provide emotional and educational support to the mitochondrial disease community, direct patients to necessary resources and educational materials, teach advocacy skills, and assist patients and families with their journey through the disease process, both directly and indirectly. I feel so honored to help families when they feel lost or alone on this MITO journey. I will briefly touch on some of our programs aimed at helping people live day-to-day -day with MITO. First of all, I am so proud of our MITO expert series, and many of the callers on the line today or presenters have participated, and I wholeheartedly thank you and just want you to know what a great resource you have given us, shared with us. We hold monthly teleconference hour-long presentations with experts in some aspect of mitochondrial disease. Callers listen and engage in discussion with these experts. We post the recordings and written summaries of these presentations for future reference. 2008 will bring presentation on Lay's disease, patient advocacy, re-diagnosis after mitodiagnosis, and more. We have over 100 expert presentations available on our website. What a wealth of information. Mito411, another program, offers live one-to-one -one support, education, advocacy, and a unique camaraderie formed through the tie to mitochondrial disease. Families simply call either 1-888-MITO-411 or email MITO411 at mitoaction.org to request support. In 2017, we logged over 700 calls from around the world on a wide variety of topics such as, do these symptoms look like MITO? How does the diagnostic process work? Specific symptom management, advocacy, skills, and more, but honestly, the callers craves the connection to someone who has been in his or her shoes, which is probably our most common feedback is they finally feel understood and listened to. Many MITO specialists now share the MITO 411 line as a resource with their patients. We never know what the next call may bring, but the calls tend to end the same way, with two people finding common ground and moving forward together instead of alone. Volunteers are the heart of MITO 411, and we need you to help. Volunteers undergo a training and offer support and resources when taking calls. Taking calls. Anyone with compassion and time to return calls in a timely manner can become a volunteer. In fact, I'm holding a training session in February, and I'll let you know how to contact me. Mito Action also offers toll-free teleconference support groups. Our main group is Fridays at noon Eastern Standard Time, exactly this time. We work much like other support groups, except the travel time, parking, traffic, packing up the kids, and germs have been eliminated. 
We glimpse insights into mitral care from all areas of the country and share how to cope and live with this disease. Another support group, the MitoActions Memory Group, is also active and ready to support families who have lost a loved one to Mito, as well as meeting every few months for a general meeting. Our Mito Autism Group is strong, holding quarterly meetings, which typically end with passionate discussions and high-level exchanges of ideas. We recently held a support group for adult patients and family members, and I was so impressed with our callers. The same callers who needed support just a short while ago themselves had grown enough to lead the way to offering support, empathy, and shared experiences with the new caller. Please click the Find a Support Group link on Mito Action's homepage for more information. All of our programs directly follow Mito Action's passion for education, advocacy, and support. Stay tuned for new and exciting programs that we plan to add in 2018. And to all interested in volunteering in our programs that speak to the heart of Mito Action, please email me at marybeth at mitoaction.org. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mary Beth. As everybody knows, in our community, Mary Beth is a tremendous resource for our patients. So we are very, very grateful to have her as part of the Mito Action team. So I think we've, we've got Shawnee in. She was having some technical difficulties. So next up will be Shawnee Lamb, our Director of Fundraising and Special Events. Hi there. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. Perfect. Um, hi, everyone. I just wanted to reiterate what Kyra and Mary Beth said. Um, our team at Mito Action truly cannot thank you all enough for being here today and for continuing to be a part of our village. As Kyra mentioned, I'm the Director of Special Events and Fundraising for Mito Action, so I wanted to talk to you about a few events we have coming up in 2018. As you know, we'll continue to make a difference for the patients and the families living with Mito by increasing awareness for mitochondrial disease across the country. This year, we're looking for dedicated volunteers to join our efforts and to host awareness events alongside us. These events that are no matter how big or small truly make a huge impact. They not only give the Mito families the opportunity to meet other families who may live in their area, but they also introduce mitochondrial disease to members of their community who may not know about this rare disease. Mito Action will continue to host our annual signature events that power our programs and resources while adding new ones to the calendar. Our first event is our Genes for Genes on World Rare Disease Day, which is the last day of February every year. This special event encourages schools, corporate offices, and local businesses to donate $5 to our genes throughout the day to start the conversation about MITO. In March, Team MITO Action will be running the Los Angeles Marathon. We currently have 25 spots, so please let us know if you'd like to join. In April, we'll host our fifth annual Matthew Hardy MITO Classic in North Andover, Massachusetts. And this is a day where middle school kids come together to play street hockey and raise awareness about Mito in honor of Matthew Hardy, who passed away at the age of eight. In May, we'll have our ninth annual Sandra K. Russell Derby Day benefit, which will be held at a new exciting location in Boston called Royale. This Kentucky Derby-themed event with silent and live auctions, hat and bow tie contest is definitely one that you won't want to miss. In August, Team Mito Action will be taking part in the Falmouth, Massachusetts Road Race, but we are limited to only five spots, so if you'd like to join us, please let us know as soon as possible. And in September, as everyone knows, it's Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week, so we'll be hosting our 14th annual Mito Action Energy Walk in 5K, which is a day to come together to make strides alongside one of another. In October, we'll host our fifth annual Matthew Hardy Golf Tournament in North Andover, Massachusetts, 
in our third annual Cape for Cal 5K in Seattle, which is in honor of a little boy named Calvin, who's nine year, who's a nine-year-old superhero. And this day is really special to him because it makes him feel like he's never really alone. Um, if you're interested in hosting an event or a restaurant night where corporate restaurants will donate a percentage of your, your proceeds back to our organization or have other ideas for events that you'd like to see us a part of, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me at shawnee at mitoaction.org. That's S-H-A-W-N-E-Y at mitoaction.org. We're always looking for fun new ways to spread awareness, and we really can't do it without you guys. And once again, thank you all for being here, and we really are looking forward to working with you all in 2018. Thank you so much, Shawnee. We've had, we have a busy year planned, um, and we look forward to seeing members of the community join us at some of our, our fun fundraising events and special events throughout the year. So next up, we have uh, the newest member of the Mito Action team is Jeannie Freeman, who is our finance manager, who's going to share some new programs with you. Jeannie? Oh, Jeannie, are you on yes, unmute yourself? Okay, she must be having some trouble. Let's move on to Ginger. Ginger is our Director of Operations and Communications. Ginger? Hi there, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Ginger DeCani, Mito Actions Director of Operations and Communications, and have just dug myself out of 13 or 14 inches of snow. So, Happy New Year. <laughs> and everyone, welcome to Mito Actions Town Meeting. I have just a few things to tell you about. As you know, MitoAction has many materials for patients, families, caregivers, and physicians free of charge. Our materials include awareness postcards and flyers, top resources postcards, an educational DVD that contains six informational videos, and a postcard for physicians that outlines our comprehensive online clinician's guide. If you are interested in any of these materials, reach out to me at support at mitoaction.org. In an effort to get Mito children together to play creatively, Mito Action has rolled out a fun new initiative called the Mito Play Date. This is an opportunity for Mito kids to connect, to play, and have fun. And while the kids play, the parents can connect too. If you're interested in hosting a play date, email me at support at mitoaction.org and we'll assist you with every step including helping to find inclusive parts. Another great way to get in-person support is through Mito Patient and Family Social. We are seeking people to host these casual gatherings. Socials allow Mito families to meet in person, share stories and resources, gain support from peers in your own community, and realize you're not alone on this journey. Hosting is super easy and will help every step of the way. Email me at support at mitoaction.org to get started. And lastly, we are looking to shine the spotlight on more of our amazing Mito heroes in 2018. We love to share how members of our Mito community are living their lives, inspiring others, and making a difference. Email me at support at mitoaction.org if you or someone you know has a story to tell. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you and enjoy the rest of the meeting. Thank you so much, Ginger. I appreciate that. Um, I think we have... Jeannie on now. Jeannie, are you there? I'm back. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so as Tara mentioned earlier, I am the newest member of the Motor Action team, and I'm very excited to be here with everybody today. 
Um, I'm grateful that you could all join us. And I just wanted to share um, a few financial programs that um, Moto Action offers. So first is the Marshall's Way Family Fund, which is an assistance program that offers a helping hand in the way of um, direct financial support for those suffering from mitochondrial disease. It was born out of the mission of continuing to improve the quality of life for all those affected by mito. Um, the Marshall's Way Family Fund has the potential to change the lives of children and families who simply cannot afford the full cost of necessary but expensive things like wheelchairs, adaptive equipment, time lost from work, um, during hospitalizations, medication, and so on. Um, for more information about that, you can email ginger at support at um, or myself at um, genie at mitoaction.org, and that's J-E-A-N-N-I-E. Um, since its inception in 2010, we have awarded 70 um, grants in the amount of $500 a piece, so that's exciting. Um, then there's also the Matthew Hardy Scholarship, which was started in 2015, and it has awarded 11 students with mitochondrial disease scholarships for college. So our next application deadline is May 15th. Um, if you have a high school senior or currently enrolled college student, you should think about applying for this scholarship. Um, our scholarship recipients are pursuing careers in early childhood education, nursing, psychology, pre-med, engineering, physical therapy. Um, so for that, again, you could contact Ginger or myself um, for any further information. So I'm very excited about what is to come in 2018 and look forward to working with everybody. Thank you, Jeannie. Well, as you can all see, we have a very dedicated and excited team, and we are all really looking forward to serving the community in 2018. So let's get started with our other organizations. So first up, I would like to introduce to you Laura Stanley, who is the Executive Director of the Foundation for Mitochondrial Medicine. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Tara. Very excited to join the call today. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, we are very much looking forward to another great year here at FMM and most importantly partnering with other members of the community and our related disease organizations as well. Uh, FMM is based in Atlanta and was started, uh, relaunched I guess about uh, eight years ago now, 2010. Our priorities are to focus on awareness, partnering with other related organizations as we all know mitochondrial dysfunction is at the heart of so many other diseases um, in addition to mitochondrial disease and then funding treatments and cures. So uh, looking forward to here in 2018 to continuing um, the support of some exciting research uh, in bioenergetics. Um, you all may remember that last year we discussed a partnership we have with the University of Alabama at Birmingham in their mitochondrial medicine laboratory where they have developed a non-invasive blood test that measures mitochondrial function. And so this blood test is on track for CLIA um, application and certification. Essentially, in order to get this blood test um, to, the, to the patients, um, it's a very lengthy process, like we all know, in terms of uh, treatment and um, research in general. Um, but this application or this, this blood test is actually on track for CLIA application here in the first quarter. Um, then inspectors will come and um, investigate and, and inspect the laboratory and the test itself. Um, 120 healthy control patients have been um, recruited and are being recruited to establish normal ranges for this blood test. Um, and once the test has been clinically approved, 
the next step is going to be to validate it in defined disease control. So uh, once the, the healthy controls have been established, then they will apply this blood test to patients with mitochondrial disease. Um, the overall goal is that we establish a biomarker for um, mitochondrial disease and then can help in the measurement and monitoring of the disease and um, eventually then therapies that are being established by our friends in the pharma community. Um, so this is really um, exciting because it will um, serve potentially as a surrogate for muscle biopsies and, and other um, measures of mitochondrial function. Um, secondly, I want to highlight that in our partnership last year with the UMDF, uh, we hosted a really exciting symposium on um, mitochondrial disease and mitochondrial dysfunction. And as a result, we have a meeting report that is um, has actually just been published in the uh, the December journal of the um, Translational Science of Rare Diseases. Um, so that's a, a journal publication that actually highlights all of the details from that clinical and patient meeting. Um, so you'll find that link on our website. We should be getting that up uh, today or, or Monday latest. And details from all of the presenters at that meeting, which included um, many of the pharmaceutical companies that you'll be hearing from today, as well as, as some of our partners and researchers who are focused on mitochondrial dysfunction in diseases like ALS and autism and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Um, so really a great resource for everyone. Um, finally, other things that we are focused on, Kyra mentioned some of our joint programming coming forward with MitoAction, um, the Families Weekend uh, coming up in the fall of 2018. Um, we also are going to be working with MitoAction to um, bring forth our Hope Life Health series in the form of some clinician focus groups to really help educate the clinicians in conjunction with some of the national meetings that are occurring, like the American Academy of Neurology Annual Conference. Um, so look forward to that as well as some of the fundraising and awareness events that we have. All of those are called our Hope Flies series. So you'll uh, find in Georgia we have our Hope Flies Catch the Cure program in conjunction with the Global Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week that's in September. Our um, Hope Flies partner in Connecticut, uh, coming up in April, our Walks for Abby in Broadbrook, Connecticut. Our Hope Flies with the Gladiators on February the 3rd and others um, coming forward. So please stay tuned to our website, which is just hopeflies.org. Firefly is our um, logo, and that's why we go with hopeflies.org for our website. Um, and finally, too, uh, as the Mitochondrial Medicine Society will be sharing more details of the program that both the UMDF, MitoAction, and SNM are jointly um, coordinating and creating with the Mitochondrial Medicine Society. Uh, we're excited to bring forth that clinical support um, in the form of a, a new program for the whole community. So thanks again, Tara, for including us, and look forward to uh, all joining forces and so many great things for the community as a whole. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. We are really excited to hear the results of, of those studies and the impact that it's going to have for diagnostics in our communities. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for that. Next up, we have uh, Phil Gesky from the United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. Phil is the Science and Alliance Officer with UMDF. Welcome, Phil. Well, thanks so much, Kyra. Uh, Very much appreciate the, the invitation, and Happy New Year to everyone, and of course, hoping in advance that uh, 2018 will be a, a healthy and successful year for everyone on, on this call. 
I really have a lot I want to share in the, in the time allotted. Uh, 2018 is going to be a very busy year, not the least of which is that the UMDF will be undergoing a, a leadership change uh, during this year. Uh, as many of you are probably already aware, Chuck Mohan will be retiring this year after a, a, a successful and impactful career, um, not just uh, founding UMDF, but leading uh, UMDF for uh, for the past 20 plus years. And in many ways, he's irreplaceable. Uh, but we're committed to uh, advancing the mission of UMDF with a new CEO, CEO in place. Um, there's a search now open and underway, and the expectation of the organization is that candidate, that new CEO, will be in place sometime in the second quarter of this year. Um, again, just want to reemphasize for everyone that we remain committed to our mission. Uh, a mix of uh, supporting uh, research, support, education, and advocacy. And uh, I'd love to give you just a, a kind of a few uh, updates on each of those funds here for, for 2018. Here, from a science perspective, a research perspective, the roadmap to a cure is still the prime uh, driver of our setting our priorities. Uh, we've shared this. There are three main pillars. Uh, improved diagnosis of mitochondrial disease, development of treatments and cures, and optimized patient care. Um, research funding is really the, the legacy program of the UMDF, and we continue to uh, support this. In 2018, uh, our, 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 our plan is to focus on Lee syndrome uh, and to do, do that in a little different uh, manner than we have in the past with our grant program. We want to bring a workshop together of uh, thought leaders, from clinicians and researchers, and really come out of that workshop with a number of grants spanning basic research all the way through the clinical trials, uh, all focused on Lee syndrome. So you'll be hearing more about this soon, uh, but certainly by uh, June we hope to have some awards in place. also want to mention from a research funding point of view that uh, the Department of Defense funding of the Congressionally Directed Medical Research Program uh, has resulted in more than $11 million of additional funding for researchers in this space. And, and that's been the result of a broad advocacy effort across so many of the organizations that are on this call. Um, so uh, it, it's not just what UMDF can do. It's not what NIH can do. We need DOD contributing and, and, and many other institutions as well. Um, with respect to uh, uh, the pillars, there's really one program that kind of cuts across it all. It's the Mitochondrial Disease Community Registry. Uh, that's what identifies and characterizes the patient community from the patient perspective. Uh, that registry grew by 40% in 2017, more than 2,000 registrants now, patients, caregivers, family members. Uh, we're now working on expanding that, uh, including an international network of linked patient registries so we can identify and characterize these patients around the world. Please register. Uh, if you have not yet had a chance to check that out, you can find more information at umdf.org forward slash registry. We've already heard a little bit about the MitoCare network from both Laura and Kyra, and, and Randy will be talking about it later, but that fits perfectly into this third pillar of optimized patient care. And it's really been a close uh, collaboration between all of these organizations and wonderful like-minded organizations like MitoAction and Foundation for Mitochondrial Medicine, as well as the Mitochondrial Medicine Society. So that, that's going to be an exciting development. From a support perspective, 
Uh, the MBS have launched a Mito Grief Mentors Group on Facebook. The purpose is to a peer group to support families impacted by mitochondrial disease as they move through the grief, grief process, obviously in a safe, judgment-free zone. Uh, please consider joining and sharing if you've lost a loved one to Mito disease. And then lastly, turning to education, um, one big meeting that's actually pushed out into 2019, but I want to share with you today is that we're well, working to plan a patient-focused drug development meeting with the FDA. So this is really about educating the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, about mitochondrial disease and, and helping to develop a patient voice. What's important to mitochondrial disease patients? What's it like to live with it? What are your concerns? How are you managing mitochondrial disease? What does meaningful treatment look like? Uh, all of these things will be captured in the meeting together with FDA personnel and eventually put into a patient voice report that will then be available as as uh, as the FDA begins to receive uh, new drug applications. Uh, and then uh, lastly, from an education perspective, really our flagship meeting is the mitochondrial medicine uh, meeting. We do that on both a regional level and a national level, uh, where we bring clinicians, researchers, family members together. Uh, regionally, the next meeting is uh, a Pacific meeting. We'll be in San Diego, February 23rd and 24th. So if you're in that area, there'll be sessions for both clinicians as well as patients and families. And then lastly, our national symposium, Mitochondrial Medicine 2018, will be in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, that will be June 27th through the 30th for the clinical uh, program. And the patient family and the LHON program will be June 29th and 30th. Uh, we hope that uh, many of you on this call and others in your networks will, will join us at uh, one or both of these meetings this year. Thanks very much, Governor. Thank you, Phil. You guys have an exciting uh, and visit year planned at UMDF, and so we look forward to hearing more about uh, your programs and services as the year unfolds. Uh, so next up, we have Heather Schistel, co-founder of Miracles for Mito. Heather, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? We can. Welcome. Great. Thank you so much for putting this all together. I look forward to this every year. Um, so my name is Heather Schichtel. I'm with Miracles for Mito. We um, are a mitochondrial support and advocacy group that's based in the Rocky Mountain region. So ironically, we should be cold, um, but we're, it's 50 degrees here. So we're not experiencing any of the weather that you folks on the East Coast are. So I apologize. Um, as a result, we have no snow either. So, um, <laughs> so you can send that back our way. Um, so this is our eighth year as a nonprofit, and our goal is to primarily support um, families and patients in the Colorado and Rocky Mountain region. Um, we, we do advocacy, support, research, and a family grant program for um, families who need things like extra support, respite, um, anything that we find that Medicaid and insurance does not cover. And we usually give out about six grants a year um, in the form of about $2,000 to families who qualify. Our most successful program has been our ubiquinol program, so we send out um, ubiquinol families who need it within the area. Last year we were sending out about two bottles a week, um, so it's been a very popular program for our families. Um, we work closely with Children's Hospital 
here in Colorado. So our hospital treats both children and adults, and what we found is that our adult program has grown significantly. So um, adults who have been diagnosed with mitochondrial disease will also be seen at Children's Hospital here in Colorado. Um, our goal was to, in partnering with Children's Hospital, um, Colorado has really not been seen as a hub for mitochondrial medicine, and so families would have to travel. And so we really wanted to keep our research and support local, and as a result, we've seen some really great progress um, as we move forward with that. So this last year, we brought on an additional mitochondrial um, um, doctor who presented also at the UMDF conference. So Dr. Austin Larson has joined us, and he is dedicated to mitochondrial research and to the mitochondrial clinic. Um, this year, we have also, Colorado has also been granted a test site um, for a new drug with stealth pharmaceuticals that we're very excited about. So again, families don't have to travel to get um, support and testing that they need. We have also established a mitochondrial protocol here at Children's Hospital. Um, just one more step in getting our hospital um, established as a mitochondrial hub in the Rocky Mountain region. We are a volunteer-only based organization, so um, Maria Hopgarden could not join me because we both have other jobs <laughs> that we do, and she could not, um, she had another call. So I think what's impressive is that we have done this just based on volunteer support and um, little moxie and our group coming together with a passion to make this happen in, in our area. Um, so a couple things that we have coming up is we have our silent auction in April. This is our, our big fundraiser that we do. Um, fundraiser, it's a dinner. We usually bring about 200 people to that event, and it's grown year over year. Um, we also have our support group coming up, so we try to do biannual support groups where we get people from Kansas who come down, we get people as far up as, um, as Montana who come down, and we try to get a, a speaker in there to talk through what's going on in the mitochondrial field. We also, in July, have our Courage Classic. We have a team that partners with, again, Children's Hospital. We have a team of about 70 people who are committed to riding 150 miles through the Colorado Rockies, um, and that program brings in probably about $100,000, and that is what helps to support the mitochondrial clinic here in Colorado. So without all of these, um, all of these programs, all of this volunteer-based um, organization, it's, none of this research would be happening here. And this has all happened within the last eight years. So we're super proud of what we're doing. We have partnered with Mito Action. They've been a great partner in providing um, our conference calls every Friday and just providing a little more social media support that our families really look forward to. And that's kind of what we're doing for 2018. Thank you so much, Heather. I appreciate it. The work that you do in Denver is amazing, especially considering that your entire team is volunteerism. So we, we, we want you to, to know how much the community appreciates everything that you do. So and I would really encourage anybody in the Denver area and Colorado who are looking for support to reach out to Miracles for Mito. Um, up next, we have Dr. Amy Goldstein, who will share with us about the Mitochondrial Medicine Society.
Mr. Goldstein? Okay, let's, we'll move on. She must be tied up with patients. Uh, let's move on next to uh, Dr. Amal Kara with the North American Mitochondrial Disease Consortium. Dr. Kara? Okay, she must also be tied up with patients. So next we'll move to South, uh, Tracy Wall, Director of Patient Advocacy and Innovative Partnerships, who's new to the South team. Tracy, are you there? Yes. Hi, you doing? Hi, welcome. Well, I'm excited. I've been enjoying this so much. So my name is Tracy Wall, and I'm the Director of Patient Advocacy at South Biotherapeutics. Uh, currently, we have multiple studies being conducted, some of which include Repower, which is a phase three program which includes two parts. The first part is a prospective observational study of patients with primary mitochondrial disease. It will be 300 participants observed over a year to assess the relationship of genotype to phenotype in patients with PMM, or primary mitochondrial myopathy. Uh, the second goal will be to compare local and regional differences in standard of care and management of patients with PMM. And third, to compare local and regional differences in genetic testing methodologies for PML. And the study enrollment is going very well. Uh, part two of RePower will be, is called MM Power 3. And it is an interventional study to evaluate the effectiveness and safety of elemicotide in patients with primary mitochondrial myopathy. On the, for Bach syndrome, we have TAS Power. And TAS Power is a phase two randomized double-blind placebo-controlled crossover trial to evaluate the safety, tolerability, and efficacy of subcutaneous injections of elemicotide in subjects with genetically confirmed Fox syndrome, and that study is ongoing. We also have a study in Libra's hereditary optic neuropathy, LVON, a study to investigate the safety, tolerability, and efficacy of elemicotide topical ophthalmic solution for the treatment of LHAR, and that study is also ongoing. Elemicotide has been granted fast-track designation by the FDA for primary mitochondrial myopathy, uh, syndrome, and LHAR. Elemicotide has also been granted an orphan disease designation by the FDA for PMS. For any additional clinical-related information, please visit, visit clinicaltrials.gov. Self Biotherapeutics continues to support and work with multiple patient advocacy groups towards the goal of increasing disease awareness. An example of this would be the development of patient journey maps with additional input from both patients and healthcare providers. So that's the project that I will be working on with many people this year, just to have a map of, of the journey of from birth um, until until it uh, goes through all the treatments and modalities with doctors and the medication and have something that everyone can look at and refer to and people can look at and say, uh, a patient or caregiver can look and say, gee, yeah, that's just what I went through. That's, that's what I saw. And we're trying to build this tool which will be helpful in many different areas and it's also with the FDA. We also will continue to support ongoing disease education for patients and healthcare providers which will always be an ongoing effort for self and biotherapeutics. And so thank you for this time, and Self Biotherapeutics looks forward to continuing our collaboration with the MITO community in 2018. 
Thank you so much, Tracy. We are looking forward to hearing more results about the Empire study. So we appreciate all that stuff does for our community. So let's go back, uh, Dr. Goldstein with the Mitochondrial Medicine Society. Um, hi, this is Dr. Kara. Dr. Goldstein was held up, uh, so she asked me to fill in for her, um, if that's okay. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, that's perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. So um, I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about the Mitochondrial uh, Medicine Society, which is a society that was funded, uh, founded by a group of uh, mitochondrial disease doctors many years ago, and it has been um, served by mitochondrial disease clinicians for all these years, and the purpose is really to improve clinical care for patients. So in the past year, what the MMS has done is we've published uh, a new paper entitled Patient Care Standards for Primary Mitochondrial Disease, a consensus statement from the Mitochondrial Medicine Society. Uh, this was published in a scientific journal that is accessible uh, on PubMed, if you know what that is. If not, there is a copy on the UMDF and the MitoAction website that you can access through a special link. And this has been really an international effort uh, led by several experts in mitochondrial disease medicine throughout the world to try and to come up with standard uh, clinical care for patients who are suffering from primary mitochondrial disease. And I would encourage every patient to have a copy and to really uh, show it to your team of doctors who take care of you because it not only talks about the a general aspect of taking care of a mitochondrial patient, but it's divided uh, organ system by organ system. So we have a section on heart disease and mitochondrial disease, a section on gastrointestinal problems, a section on neurology. So it's really a very comprehensive um, <clears throat> uh, summary of all the things that a doctor taking care of a mitochondrial disease patient should know about and should be monitoring on a regular basis. Apart from that, uh, we have been uh, this year working on two new clinical projects. One is uh, developing a fatigue questionnaire. And the reason we are doing that is because there is so much more interest uh, in clinical trials for mitochondrial disease patients. And we have noticed that there was a great lack of uh, proper instruments to really measure how improved patients might become if they are on a special treatment. So uh, this is also um, started as an international effort to try to um, have colleagues from the UK and Europe uh, work with us in trying to look at all the fatigue questionnaires that were uh, available out there, but they were not specifically designed for mitochondrial disease patients, and try to use them and modify them to be more adapted to the kind of fatigue and the kind of symptoms that a mitochondrial disease patient um, is expressing. So we've done the first part where we had uh, multiple questionnaires selected and we had 52 patients with mitochondrial disease take all these questionnaires. Our biostatistician is now analyzing the data and we're, what we're hoping to do is really put together all these questionnaires and pick out the most uh, valuable questions amongst them and come up with a newer questionnaire that is specifically designed for mitochondrial disease patients. We're hoping to finish that project this year. Um, the third, uh, the second um, project is really working on a new paper that uh, really walks people through 
uh, how to diagnose mitochondrial disease patients in the clinic, and really what to do with all those patients who remain undiagnosed even after we do all the genetic testing that we have available in 2018. And we feel as clinicians that this is the area where there is a lack of understanding and a lack of harmonized um, uh clinical care where patients would go from one place to another and they get mixed information. So this is, again, going to be an international effort. We have already picked around 20 uh, co-authors uh, um, uh, co for this uh, paper, and we are now working on writing up um, the uh, consensus uh, guidelines of what we think uh, would be entailed in trying to properly diagnose someone with mitochondrial disease. And if we are not able to prove that someone has a genetically inherited mitochondrial disease, what are the other steps that we can achieve to be able to help the patient on, in, a, in a day to day basis? Um, and then I think you've heard from uh, the Foundation of Mitochondrial Medicine, MitoAction, and UMDF about the Mitochondrial uh, uh, Clinical Care Network and uh, Mitochondrial Centers of Excellence, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that, but that's a project that uh, we have at the MMS have started um, a year and a half ago. We have been hearing from all our patients about how important it was for them to be taken care of in a clinic or a program that was knowledgeable about mitochondrial disease and how there was such a discrepancy of the information that they were getting when they go to different places within the U.S. So we started by asking a group of patients what they, uh, if they felt that having a place like that would be helpful to them and to their care, and overwhelmingly they said yes. We asked them specific questions about what they would want to see in such a place or such a center, and we developed a list of, uh, like a wish list, if you will, of uh, what the, the best case scenario would look like, and then we asked the mitochondrial disease experts in the U.S. about what they thought of such a center and what would reasonably uh, uh, be available to include in such a center, given all the restriction, um, the funding restriction, the institutional restriction, the, uh, the the workload restriction, and then we looked around us at other rare disease centers of excellence like the cystic fibrosis and the Duchenne muscular dystrophy and tuberous sclerosis and many, many other ones who had already achieved these centers of excellence throughout the U.S. and we looked at their criteria, how they select, uh, select uh, clinics and centers and how do they oversee all of these, what they offer and how much it costs. And we came up with some criteria um, to um, to really that we thought were more, more adapted to the mitochondrial disease population, uh, we uh, we then started talking to our colleagues from all the advocacy groups, the UNDF, MitoAction, and FMM, and we have been working together for the last year to try to make these come to life. And hopefully, this month we will be sending our first uh, request for proposals to uh, to see who would um, qualify for such centers in the U.S. So we're very excited about that because that would really focus on the clinical care for patients with, with mitochondrial disease in the U.S. and trying to hopefully um, harmonize their, their clinical care and, uh, and, and um, provide them with more support. Um, so that's for the MMS. 
For the North American Mitochondrial Disease Consortium, uh, which is an entity that is funded by the National Institute of Health, and its purpose when it was funded uh, many years ago was to really come up with a registry and biorepository for patients with mitochondrial disease in the U.S. So these, uh, this registry and biorepository are curated by um, mitochondrial disease doctors. So we have to see the patient and we have to enter the patient. So far we have 1,208 patients um, and we gather information about their diagnoses, their uh, tests that they have done, the symptoms that they have. And uh, the best part of this registry is to really longitudinal registry. So every time we see the patient in a clinic, we are able to enter uh, a, an update of what's going on with the patient and their testing and how they are evolving. Um, the ultimate purpose for this is really to better understand the disease and better come up with uh, the best way of, for us to treat the disease and really uh, how to monitor the disease and intervene before complication may arise. And the, the goal would be then to create therapies that would um, act on these specific complications um, and try to help the patients. Um, the updates on, on MANDEC is that over the last year, we've spent a tremendous effort trying to really update the intake in the registry, make sure that everyone was entering complete data. Um, and that, that the, the data quality was uh, good enough for us to start really looking into what, how we can better understand the natural history of the disease and how we can uh, start acting on developing all of these therapies and all these outcome measures to, um, to treat patients with mitochondrial uh, disease. Uh, one new thing that we have established in 2017 is what we call remote enrollment. So, so far, NAMDAC has 16 sites scattered throughout the uh, United States, and to be part of NAMDAC, you had to visit one of these sites, and one of the, the doctors in these sites had to examine you and enter you in the, in the registry. But we realized that we were missing a lot of patients who lived in areas where none of these centers existed, so uh, we've developed remote enrollment. Uh, by which we can still enroll people even if they don't come to our center. So if you have mitochondrial disease and you're interested in being part of NANDAC, you can go on the website and you can uh, fill in the form. We can work with your primary care uh, or uh, any of your doctors to, to enroll you in NANDAC and get your information after you have signed consent. So we're very excited about that. And we've started uh, remotely enrolling patients. I think we're up to 15 patients that are remotely enrolled so far. Uh, what we do in MEMDEC is also looking at the data and, and publishing information uh, from patients. So, for example, in um, two years ago, we published a paper about uh, nutritional supplements and how patients take them and perceive uh, benefits from them. This year, our paper about the diagnostic odyssey for patients with mitochondrial disease was just accepted and it will be published soon. Um, this is a paper that depicts uh, the journey of patients with uh, primary mitochondrial disease and uh, how many doctors they really have to, to see before they get to a proper diagnosis. So we go through all the hassles um, and we did this to try to really improve that diagnostic journey and make it uh, less frustrating for the patient and short, much shorter. Uh, so that's all I have uh, for update for NAMDAC. Thank you, Dr. Kerr. I appreciate it. So as she shared, um, 
we are really excited about the initiative that we're working on with MMS and the physician community with FMM and, and UMDF to launch the Mitochondrial Care Network and to really try to help unify the uh, treatment of patients and diagnosis of patients with mitochondrial disease. So, as she said, we're looking to launch the, um, the application process hopefully next week um, and really try to build on those standards of care that were published by the MMS. So, that's a really exciting step forward for our community um, and we will absolutely keep everybody informed as to how that's progressing. So, thank you, Dr. Kara, for that. I appreciate it. Next up. Yeah, next up we have Riata Pharmaceuticals, and I'd like to welcome Carol Echelkraut, Manager of Medical Field Operations. Kara? Yeah. Hey there. Hello, everyone. Hi. And happy New Year. Uh, my name is Kara Echelkraut, and I actually was recently the Manager of Medical Field Operations, but as of the New Year, have now uh, switched over my role to being a Manager of Patient Advocacy here at Riata Pharmaceuticals. So I've had the pleasure of working with the mitochondrial disease community for about the last three years, and I'm thankful and excited for this opportunity to share some information with all of you guys about Riata Pharmaceuticals as a company, about our drugs, and most importantly to all of you, about our clinical trial for mitochondrial disease. So Riata is a really small pharmaceutical company, and we're based just outside of Dallas, Texas. We're still in the developmental stage, which means that we do not yet have any drugs approved or on the market. Everything is still in research and everything is still in clinical trials. We have two drugs that are currently involved in clinical trials. Bear with me as I say their names. One is called bridoxalone methyl and the other is called omavaloxalone. I'll be talking mainly about omavaloxalone today because that's the one that's involved in our mitochondrial disease clinical trial. And since it's a little bit of a mouthful, I'm just going to call it omav for short. So, OMAV, as I mentioned, it's not yet approved by the FDA, but it is an oral capsule that's taken once a day, and we believe that it promotes energy metabolism and promotes mitochondrial function. And the way that it does this is by reducing inflammation within the cells and reducing oxidative stress. So, because of this quality of promoting mitochondrial function, we believe that OMAV could be a potential treatment option for individuals who are affected by mitochondrial disease. So OMAV is currently being studied in a clinical trial for mitochondrial disease called the MOTOR study. And MOTOR is specifically for adults with mitochondrial myopathy or muscle weakness as one of their symptoms of mitochondrial disease. It's a two-part study, and part one was initiated back in the second half of 2015. Part one is designed to find the correct dose level, which uh, we're testing anywhere from 10 milligrams up to potentially 300 milligrams. It's also designed to evaluate the safety of OMAV. Part two of the study will then be designed to take that specific dose that we decide upon and evaluate its efficacy and could potentially submit that information to the FDA for approval. So the way that we'll be evaluating the efficacy throughout both parts of the study is through several tests, but the main one is an exercise test done on a recumbent bicycle. And it's done to measure the peak work that can be done or the maximum amount of exercise. So this is evaluated at the beginning, throughout the study, and at the end of treatment to see how it may have changed while being on OMAV. So as an update, we completed enrollment of part one for the study back in the third quarter of last year in 2017. And we are expecting to have data within the first quarter of this year, so we're really excited about that milestone that we've hit. Um, 
Throughout part one, we had a group of experts called our Data Safety Monitoring Board, and they looked at all of the data completely unblinded to watch out for any safety signals. And I'm happy to report that there were no safety concerns found during part one, and so we feel pretty confident about the safety moving into part two so far. So once we have that full data from part one uh, sometime in this first quarter, then we will evaluate it, and if it looks successful, we'll make any necessary changes to the protocol and initiate that part two. And as I mentioned, part two may potentially provide support to submit to the FDA for approval. Um, we also plan to submit a request to the FDA for orphan drug designations for OMAD in the treatment of mitochondrial myopathy once we do have clinical data. So if you'd like to know more, you can search for MOTOR on clinicaltrials.gov, or you can visit our website at www.riatapharma.com. I encourage all of you guys to follow our Twitter accounts and LinkedIn accounts for any updates that we release about the motor study. And otherwise, we look forward to continuing to work with the mitochondrial disease community um, and continuing our development program for a potential treatment for mitochondrial disease. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kara. We look forward to hearing the results of that Part 1 data on OMAV as soon as you have that available. So thank you for your commitment to our community. Next up, we have George Mulligan, Senior Vice President of Translational Medicine for MitoBridge. George, welcome. Thank you, Kara. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, as Kara introduced, I lead the translational medicine work at MitoBridge. Uh, we are a um, small biotech company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, founded about four years ago. So we've worked with a number of people in this community for, for a long time now. Um, but this is our first time sharing some of our background at the Mito Town Hall. So allow me to give a little bit of um, introductory information. So um, four years ago, the company was pulled together in collaboration with a number of uh, external advisors, including some really um, top-notch people here in Boston, San Diego, Switzerland. Um, and this group is sort of the nucleus of a number of our early programs. Um, what's important at the founding of this um, company, however, is that we started not only with venture capital investment in this um, research area, but also with a, a pharmaceutical company partner, Astellas Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Astellas is a um, traditionally Japanese-based leading pharmaceutical company who now has a global presence um, and is a, a major player in all areas. So Astellas has been working with us, and they really embraced our early vision for what mitochondrially targeted medicines could do the potential broad applicability and the emerging biology about how to potentially improve the function of uh, mitochondria and thus improve the clinical outcome in several different conditions. So with the status and with a number of these external academic experts who have insight into mitochondrial biology, we started and have now built um, a pipeline um, of compounds, not just one at a time. We're, we're focusing on several different areas. Specifically, we're working in the area of mitochondrial dynamics, changing the fusion and fission of mitochondrial structures. Uh, our second area of focus is NAD enhancement, which has a real impact on, on energetics. Um, and the third area is gene regulation, where we look to modulate the master regulators in the cell that 
have a normal function of enhancing mitochondrial uh, activity, and we can reach in and enhance that activity with small molecules. Um, and it's in the gene regulation area um, that our lead program has made it to the clinic. So this compound is called MA0211, and this is a small molecule oral compound that modulates a transcription factor that's called P par delta. Um, and so this compound is right now in um, a phase one study in normal healthy volunteers, uh, adults, where we're trying to characterize not just the safety profile, but the biology of the compound. When does it activate the transcription? What genes does it turn on? How does it enhance mitochondrial function? Um, so that's our most advanced compound. We have, we have several others coming behind it. And one of the interesting challenges is to decide and prioritize the various diseases in which we may work. Um, and we have a lot of ongoing preclinical research in that space as well. Um, our lead indication right now is Duchenne muscular dystrophy based on a number of preclinical experiments. Um, and we also have significant ongoing work looking at mitochondrial myopathy and other related um, diseases such as fatty acid oxidation disorders. Um, you can see a lot of the information around that research that we've done is, is on our uh, website, uh, mitobridge.com, the, the primary data is there for those who are interested. Um, so I think I'll, I'll close there and say that we're very excited about now being in the clinic with our lead compound and continuing to grow our expertise in this area. Um, and that Mitobridge and Estelis both look forward to um, continuing uh, to partner with this community and to bring uh, new approaches into where these spaces where there's um, unmet need. Thank you. Thank you so much, George. We appreciate that. We look forward to working with you as well and, um, and to growing our partnerships in support of the mitochondrial disease community. Next up, we have Bioelectron, and joining us will be Dr. Matthew Klein, Chief Medical Officer for Bioelectron. Dr. Klein? Kyra, thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, uh, Bioelectron, formerly Edison Pharmaceuticals, was founded a little over 10 years ago with the explicit uh, goal of developing therapies for patients with mitochondrial disease. We're a company of over 80 people in Mountain View, California, and we continue work both in the laboratory and the clinic uh, to deliver on our goal. Uh, we recently changed our name in 2017 from Edison Pharmaceuticals to Bioelectron Technology Corporation, simply to better reflect the broad application of our science. In other words, all of the important learnings that we have made in developing therapies for patients with mitochondrial disease have applications beyond just patients with mitochondrial disease. That doesn't mean we're not so focused on that effort. Uh, it just means we have more things that we're able to apply our learnings to, and therefore we thought it would be appropriate to change our name to something that better reflected all of the activities of our 80-plus employees here in California. For Bioelectron, this was an incredibly exciting and successful 2017. Uh, we have two drugs in the clinic, EPI-743 and EPI-589. Let me start with some highlights on EPI-743. In 2017, we crossed over 400,000 
patient treatment days. That's 400,000 patient treatment days of EPI-743 for patients with mitochondrial disease. Our longest treated patient crossed the eight-year mark, uh, and we're very excited about uh, that patient uh, who is a child with Lee syndrome uh, who has been on the drug since 2009. We continue to record very favorable safety and tolerability data. That is, in all of our studies, as we follow safety, uh, the API 743 continues to demonstrate to be safe and well-tolerated, even in the most uh, infirmed patients with mitochondrial disease. In 2017, we had positive readouts from a number of studies, including our long-term analysis of EPI-743 in creatures ataxia. We're looking at data in patients treated for two years with EPI-743 as compared with natural history data. Uh, there, was a, there was clear evidence of a significant improvement in neurological function and slowing of disease progression in treated patients relative to natural history. In parallel with our, uh, that Friedrich's ataxia study I just mentioned, we ran a separate smaller study for the subgroup of Friedrich's ataxia patients with point mutations, and we read out favorable data across a number of outcome measurements uh, in the point mutation populations in uh, 2017. Also, our investigator team in Italy uh, reported positive phase two placebo-controlled data in patients with cobalamin C defect. Now, cobalamin C defect itself is not considered a mitochondrial disease, but it's a metabolic disease that has a lot of features in common with mitochondrial disease, particularly as it relates to biochemistry and the biology of the disease. And therefore, the favorable outcomes demonstrated in that disorder provide us with many important learnings that we're going to be able to apply in our development for patients with mitochondrial disease that has similar features to cobalamin C defect. In addition, we completed enrollment in the National Institutes of Health Undiagnosed Disease Program. This is a collaborative effort with the UDP program at the National Institutes of Health, and this study is a placebo-controlled crossover study studying the effects of EPI-743 in children with mitochondrial and metabolic diseases. Our second drug, EPI-589, is currently in Phase two development for adult neurodegenerative diseases, including ALS and Parkinson's disease, and Parkinson's disease uh, the Parkinson's disease development includes both patients with idiopathic Parkinson's disease as well as genetic and mitochondrial subtypes. In 2017, we completed enrollment in the ALS trial, uh, and the initial readout of the top uh, line results is expected shortly. Uh, we also completed enrollment in the idiopathic uh, portion of our Parkinson's disease trial and continue enrollment in the genetic subtype part of the study. In addition, in 2017, API 589 received orphan designation both in the U.S. and EU for the treatment of ALS. In addition, in 2017, we made a number of important advances in our laboratories here at BioElectron uh, with uh, learning a lot more about the mechanism of action of our drugs that's going to help us uh, develop new therapies as well as uh, better align new therapies with specific patient populations. Uh, we also have several compounds that have advanced through a number of important early stages of drug development that we hope to bring to the clinic soon. 
So as we look ahead to 2018, we expect, again, this to be an exciting year with a number of important events. Uh, we will have results from several of our studies, which we look forward to sharing with the community, and we also plan on launching new trials that will uh, reach patients perhaps that were not previously included in our previous studies. As always, we are extraordinarily grateful for our partnership uh, with MitoAction, as well as the different mitochondrial disease foundations, our physician network, which now spans six continents, uh, as well as our uh, other interactions with the patient community. I'd also like to remind folks, if you have any questions or want more information on Bioelectron, EPI-743, clinical studies, or anything related to that, as always, feel free to contact us at info at bioelectron.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at bioelectron, B-I-O-E-L-E-C-T-R-O-N.com. Again, please feel free to contact us anytime with any questions you have uh, regarding our company or our therapies. Kyra, thank you very much, and we look forward to an exciting 2018. Thank you so much, Dr. Klein. We appreciate Bioelectron's commitment to our community, and we look forward to hearing more about the EPI 743 and 589 studies. Next up, we have David King, Neurology Team Leader for GeneDX. David? Hi, Kira. This is Amanda, uh, the lead genetic counselor from GDX. Dave asked me to present today. Um, Welcome, Amanda. Thank you guys for inviting us, and Happy New Year for everyone. Um, as I said, I'm the lead uh, mitochondrial genetic counselor here at GDX, and GDX is a genetic testing company founded in 2000, focusing on the diagnosis of rare and ultra-rare um, genetic diseases. So 2017 was a big year for GDX. We had more samples across programs than we've had um, ever in previous years. And in the mitochondrial program, we performed mitochondrial genome testing for over 5,000 patients this year, which brings our total number of mitogenome tests to over 30,000. Um, so that's a great wealth of data and expertise that we have there. Um, we've added another genetic counselor to our team, um, making it a total of two PhD geneticists and five genetic counselors whose primary focus is mitochondrial disorders. Um, one of our PhD geneticists, our director, Dr. Bai, is heading up a committee with the American College of Medical Genetics to develop guidelines for helping to interpret the, uh, mitochondrial genome variants and to help um, laboratories and physicians understand novel and new and um, rare mitochondrial genome variants. Um, this year, we've added to our already comprehensive mitochondrial uh, genetic testing menu with the addition of the Mito Expanded Panel, which uses um, both the patient and mom and dad to, um, to have a phenotype-driven test, which means we look at the patient's clinical symptoms and we connect that to genetic testing of over almost 1,800 genes to provide clear and concise results for patients. Um, we also upgraded our common mutation testing panel, which includes testing for LHON, EOS, and MRF, from 58 mutations to 65. And as always, we have our comprehensive testing annual for things like Lee syndrome, PEO, lactic acidosis, and our exome plus, which is 
um, concurrent whole exome sequencing with full mitochondrial genome sequencing. Um, Shared GDX has also reaffirmed uh, our focus on being a patient-centered company. Um, we developed a new buckle swab that can be used for all of our mitochondrial genetic tests and for the vast majority of all the tests here we do here at GDX. Um, we also have a very patient-friendly billing policy and benefits investigation to help estimate those out-of-pocket costs for patients. Um, in addition, uh, we really enjoyed working with MitoAction to be part of that expert series to provide a presentation on what patients should know about genetic testing, what options there are out there, the benefits, the risks, the limitations. And so we really enjoyed being part of that conversation and being able to serve as a resource for um, not just physicians with, who are interested in mitochondrial disorders, but for the patients themselves. Um, and in 2018, it'll, it looks like another growth year for us. We'll be updating our panel testing um, to make it more focused, and we'll have a number of publications and presentations at UMDF and ACMG um, upcoming, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Amanda. We appreciate your uh, joining us today. Um, so next, I have an update from Mito Hope and Help. They unfortunately were not able to join us today, but sent over an update that um, their founder, Catherine LaFont Evans, asked that I share with the community. So I'll take just a moment to, to provide that update to everybody. Um, Mito Hope and Help have been busy providing advocacy and support locally to several individuals and families. Our multidisciplinary team continues efforts to try and fund a MITO liaison medical care team. This program would offer our local MITO patients specialized, coordinated medical care. The biggest hurdle remains funding. We have a care team in place and ready and willing to provide the much-needed care. Medical marijuana use is a subject our families have become well-versed in, and we have been advocating for MITO patients to obtain and try medical marijuana. We have experienced firsthand significant improvements in overall health, stability, and pain management with its use. Mito Action's commitment to our entire Mito community and willingness to work together for the greater good of all Mito patients and families is deeply appreciated. I was so happy to see the first Rare Disease Film Festival hosted in Boston in October 2017 turn out to be such a big, big success. I look forward to working with the community in 2018. So we thank Mito Hope and Help for that update for the community. Um, next up, we have VMP Genetics joining us um, with Dr. Fran Kendall and Dr. Mark Corson. So VMP Genetics, welcome. Um, good afternoon. Um, it, actually, it'll only be Dr. Kendall who will be speaking today. I'm going to be talking on behalf of both Mark um, and myself. And please, I send my apologies. I am sick, so I'm a little hoarse, and it can be difficult to understand because of that. But um, for those of us, for those of you who are familiar with our organization, this will be our ninth year. And for the last nine years, we have been focused primarily on one-on-one, -on -one in-office, and second-opinion consultative services. So, again, we have an extensive patient population all over the country that we see in our office, and we do international um, consulting and second opinion consulting as well. In addition, I have been doing a number of uh, 
uh, legal consulting cases and particularly surrounding some of the unfortunate child medical abuse uh, cases in the mitochondrial community. Um, in the fall of 2017, so just a few short months ago, Dr. Mark Corson joined us. And Mark's um, role is twofold. He's the Director of Education along with the Director of Physician Services. So as Director of Education, what Mark is doing is developing educational platforms for presentation for pharmaceutical companies and also, for example, academic programs um, to educate uh, young physicians and um, in, in regards to mitochondrial, metabolic, and rare disease. As the Director of Physician Services, Mark is uh, focusing on consulting directly with physicians and physician groups. So for those various hospital systems or organizations who lack expertise in meta metabolic and mitochondrial disease medicine, they can consult with us and we can provide uh, backup services to them or to review cases to allow them to better evaluate and manage their local patients, for example. Um, and so, again, that's, that's the two roles that Mark is going to be taking on now as an organization as well. In the past, we've uh, utilized a lot of social media, Facebook, and other blog postings to help educate the patient population and, and uh, other physician groups who are interested in mitochondrial metabolic medicine. Uh, but this year, our focus is going to be primarily on clinical research and publication. So having a large patient population, we have an extensive um, database and a lot of information regards various, uh, regarding various treatment modalities and responses to those therapeutic agents and interventions. And we think that information is important to um, collate and get out to the community so that perhaps it can help others um, in, in other parts of the country and world. So we are looking forward to a very exciting year of growth and development with a larger footprint and greater impact on the mitochondrial and metabolic community. And so we, um, those of us here at VMP wish all of you um, the best of New Year's and we are, again, looking forward to expanding um, the knowledge out in the community at large. So thank you for the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you today to tell you a little bit about what we've been doing and what we're planning on doing in the future. Thank you, Dr. Kendall, for sharing. We hope you feel better. Um, congratulations on your expanded team, and again, thank you for your commitment to the mitochondrial disease community. You're very well. Thanks again, Karen. Thank you. So next up, we have the Olay Foundation joining us, and we have Lisa Metzger, who's the editor of their Lifeline Letter and Director of Community Engagement. Welcome, Lisa. Good morning, and thank you for having us. I'm joining um, kind of spur of the moment, so forgive me for anything that may seem <laughs> spur of the moment. Um, our executive director is traveling this week and unable to join. Um, we, for those who are not familiar with the Ole Foundation, um, we are we serve people on home enteral and parental nutrition, that would be tooth feeding and IV nutrition. We have uh, 7,500 plus members of consumers, caregivers, professionals, um, including clinicians and industry members. Um, can you hear me okay? I'm, I'm functioning with a cold and I'm, I feel like I'm operating in a vacuum. 
No, you're just fine, Lisa. We can hear you just okay. fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I want to just talk briefly about our programs and what we have coming this year. We have a bi-monthly newsletter, of which I am the editor. It always has a, a lead medical article and, and a lot of coping-type things. What we do is we provide both information about um, the therapies that we are primarily focused on, but we also talk a lot about the, the different diseases that lead people to be on tube feeding or parental nutrition. So there's a lot of, um, I'd say, coping so that people can make the therapies to be a more minimal part of their life um, so that they can go on and work on managing the disease state that brings them to the therapy. Um, as I mentioned, we're not disease-specific. There are a lot of our members who are uh, suffering with mitochondrial diseases of different origins, um, different Anyway, we also have an ambassador network of 60-plus volunteers to speak one-on-one -on -one with patients. We have regional and annual conferences. Uh, we we're fortunate enough to have both Dr. Corson and um, we had Mito Action join us this year, too. We have an equipment supply exchange where we can help to coordinate um, for formula and supplies that people no longer need to get into the hands of people who need it. It's a very popular program, and with insurance limitations on formula especially, it's uh, very useful. We probably get 100 to 150 requests and donations each week. And we're happy to have in, um, included a, a new staff member who speaks Spanish, so we can better serve that population this year. Our annual conference will be in June, end of June or early July, and we hope to announce soon where it will be and the exact dates, and hope that many of you can join us. We look forward to expanding our relationship with the Milo community in the future. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, we appreciate the Olay Foundation joining us and for you jumping in at the last minute. I really appreciate that. Um, next on the agenda, we have Dr. Richard Bowles, but Dr. Bowles wasn't certain. I'm here. You're there. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm here. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Bowles. I'll let you take it from here. Okay. Um, it's kind of complicated because I have six different jobs, sort of, but um, they're all kind of involved in the MITO community, in particular neurodevelopmental disorders among the MITO community. Um, anybody who has things like autism or ADHD or any sort of other neurodevelopmental problems. The other area that I work on a lot is um, functional disease, pain, fatigue, cyclic vomiting, um, you know, including chronic fatigue syndrome and all of that. Um, first thing is Lineagen. Lineagen is a DNA testing company that's been around for a decade. Um, they've been mostly doing microarray for a long time. It's also called CMA. Um, I think that there's a lot of confusion in the community, including among physicians. Um, it's, a mutation can be large or a mutation can be small, and you have to choose. You, you have to look at both. Um, to look at large mutations, you do CMA, which is also called microarray, and to do small mutations, you do exome, which is sequencing, you know, every single base pair of of the gene, and exome looks at all of the genes. So Linigen for 10 years has been doing microarray, looking at large mutations. They now, for a couple of years, have been doing exome to look for small mutations. Um, they just added, they added me recently. They added a mitochondrial program. They do mitochondrial DNA now. 
And they also do something that most people don't know about personal. It's um, pharmacogenomics, pharmacogenetics, PGX, which you look at the variants that are involved in drug metabolism so that you know if you're a fast metabolizer and you need a higher dose or a slow metabolizer and perhaps you should start slowly or use another drug. So those are the services that Lineagen does, and I consult for them. Um, I'm also working on telemedicine. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Not everyone can come out to one of the big centers, and different people in this community are now specialized in different areas, which is the way it should be. And it's hard to bring kids that, you know, may have a disease like cyclic vomiting or autism to a center that may be thousands of miles away. So we're starting on on um, telemedicine. I'm working through a neurology office, CNNH, in New Jersey to set this up. Um, right now, we have what's called a peer-to-peer. Um, many people have um, exome testing. They have DNA test results in front of them, but it's either A is old and they wonder if there's something new that's been found because daily things are being found, or B, it is um, they found nothing and they're wondering if another look at it could find something, particularly an expert in that particular disorder. I mean, like I look at sequences of children with cyclic vomiting syndrome and often find things that are treatable that were not found in other laboratories because I know exactly what genetics I'm looking at, which genes to look at, and I look at them very carefully. So the purpose of this is the peer-to-peer is that I speak directly to the physician that ordered the test. We go over the patient first because the genes mean nothing without the patient. And then we go over the entire genetics and with the emphasis at what can be treatable. What in the sequence is potentially treatable based upon the latest of information um, in that area? Um, and that's going right now. The telemedicine consultation in which I can actually get on the phone and talk to people in different states and everything, that is going a little bit slower, but we're, I'm setting up in New Jersey and in Florida right now. And, of course, I'm in California as well. But the peer-to-peer is already set up. Um, in addition to that, I have my private practice in Pasadena, California. Half the patients have autism. Half of them have complex migraine, cyclic vomiting, or chronic fatigue syndrome. But I do see other patients with other types of mitochondrial medicine. And then I'm involved in um, legal work, um, but also the um, Munchausen by proxy fictitious disorder, medical child abuse, whatever you want to name it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of families with that sort of problem. Um, to tie it all together, the main thing that I've been working on the last few months is to take an exome sequence from any lab um, and to secondarily press it through computers to be able to reanalyze it based upon new information um, and to look at it specific to each di- diagnosis state. So we actually got that working really well where I can take an exome sequence that's been sitting around for a while and, and relook at it for new eyes. So that's going through the telemedicine. So a lot of things going on right now. Um, oh, also, one last thing. Um, we have an, a nutritional autism. Um, I mean, basically, it's a treatment that it's a, it's a dietary supplementation for autism um, and all developmental disorders, neurodevelopmental disorders, ADHD, et cetera. It relies very heavily on the fact that a lot of these patients have mitochondrial disease, so it has 33 active ingredients. About, about half of them are active in mitochondrial disease. Um, but it also has many other things that are involved in ion channels, neural transmitters, and many other situations that can cause um, complex disease states, like neurodevelopment disorders, as well as some of the functional conditions. And that's going to launch in January. So many things going on right now. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Bowles. You are a busy man, and we truly, truly appreciate all you do for our community. Um, and I, I especially appreciate you jumping in because I know you're in a completely different time zone today. So thank you so much um, for joining us today. Yeah. I hate to say this for all of you in the snowstorm, but I'm in Hawaii right now, and I'm getting stupid eyes. <laughs> we are all jealous. There's no doubt about that. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Bowles. Next up, we're going to go across the pond, and we have Sean Murray, who is the CEO of the Australian Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. Sean, welcome. Good morning, Kyra. Good morning to uh, everybody else there. And um, much like Dr. Bowles, I apologize because I'm sitting here at 5.30 a.m. Sydney, Australia time, and it's about 72 degrees Celsius, and uh, it's just going to get pretty hot here in our beautiful summer weather here in Sydney. Um, but um, uh, we have had a wonderful year for the Australian Mitochondrial Disease Foundation in 2017. It's actually been our biggest and, uh, and best year yet, and we're very excited about what lies ahead for 2018. We have a, a number of initiatives that we're keen to, to share with the community there, and as always, we invite any form of collaboration, we're always keen to work with others because we're the strong advocates that we will achieve more by working together rather than working individually. Um, highlights for this year, we, uh, we're very happy to announce that we will be um, helping uh, fund and establish a telemedicine clinic um, based out of Sydney, Australia for access to patients all around Australia. Um, as most of you might realise, we have a geographic um, challenge here with a, a land size similar to continental US, but about uh, less than 10% of the population of the US are there. So access, geographic access to clinics is a, is a struggle. So we're excited to see what the telemedicine clinic can achieve there. We're running a pilot, or we will be funding the pilot, sorry, um, to start this year on that one. We'll also be progressing our work to change the law here in Australia so that mitochondrial donation or mitochondrial transfer therapy um, can be legalised and will be available to Australian women who are at risk of passing on mitochondrial disease to their children. We've had some very promising progress in 2017 with our legislators here and we're keen to see that uh, that law come into effect um, in 2018. We're very ambitious that that will be done this year. We are also very excited to announce a, um, on the back of our recent fundraising successes that we've had, that we um, recently in November just approved an additional US $2.2 million of funding to be allocated towards research uh, initiatives and to um, improving clinical care type of initiatives as well. Um, a part of that, uh, that research and medical funding is also, um, we now have the green light on um, uh, opening those funds to to researchers and um, and other strategic projects that are located outside of Australia. So previously our funding has been directed 100% to within Australia, um, but we've just got the green light from our board and our, uh, our top um, bureaucracies here that we can fund uh, internationally as well. So we look forward to um, partnering with organisations around the world to achieve the maximum impact for that investment in funding as well. For those of you representing pharmaceutical companies or uh, biotechnology on the call, we're also keen to um, we're also excited to announce that uh, we we've seen the adoption of one of the first international clinical trial arms here, and that should be I think a couple of patients 
he had just got uh, signed up to, to one of those trials, um, and that's an exciting development. But, uh, the Australian mitochondrial disease community is a very well-defined and well-organised um, community, and the um, Australians are a good um, target for any of you who are looking to open up an international um, or a clinical trial. And the Australian Mitochondrial Disease Foundation can be the, um, uh, a conduit for um, collaboration and a conduit for communicating with, uh, with those groups here. So I invite you to get in touch. All information is available on our website, amds.org.au. Finally, in 2018, we're looking ahead um, and we extend an open invitation for a first collaboration on Global Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week. The Australian Mitochondrial Disease Foundation is a member of IMP, is it the group called International Mitochondrial Patients, along with another, a number of others who are here on this call, and um, IMP's efforts to lead the um, Light Up for Mito campaign that saw over 100 monuments around the world lit up green during Mitochondrial Disease Awareness Week, um, smashed the previous world record in relation to, to that. and. Um, we think that more can be achieved again in 2018 and would invite any of you to have a look at IMP and um, to join together uh, to focus our efforts together in raising awareness. So we're really excited about um, and optimistic about uh, a positive 2018 and we wish all of you good health and good fortune. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you jumping in so early in the morning for you. Um, we are really excited about joining in the um, Expanded Awareness Week initiative next next year, or this year. Um, so thank you for all that you do, um, and we appreciate you joining us today. So our final caller of the day is going to be Alana McCormick. She's the Consumer Marketing Manager for Thrive RX. Welcome, Alina. Thank you so much. I promise to be short and sweet for the end of our uh, call today. So good afternoon to everyone. Um, my name is Elena McCormick, and I am the Consumer Marketing Manager for SliveRx, which is a division of the Diplomat Specialty Infusion Group. I'm a relatively new addition to the SliveRx team, but not new to the nutrition support world. I look forward to getting to know all of you and working with all of you in the future. So SliveRx's mission is to optimize the nutritional well-being of our consumers through a customized approach. We offer quality care that fosters independence and empowers consumers and their families while maintaining the highest standards in service and clinical management. ThriveRx consumers receive customized diplomat therapies and access to nutrition experts who provide home, parental, and enteral nutrition support. We have several programs designed to help consumers achieve their nutrition goals, such as our iThrive program that focuses on the specific needs of the dysmotility community, and Maximize Health, a planned course, which is designed to guide consumers with short bowel syndrome and other disorders towards intestinal rehabilitation. In addition to our education and tools, we provide guidance through our incredible consumer advocacy team to help consumers thrive while on nutrition support. Um, I'm pleased to announce that the ThriveRx nutrition team will receive the Clinical Nutrition Team of Distinction Award from the American Society for Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition, or ASPEN, for the second time later this month. ThriveRx originally received this award in 2013 when ASPEN developed the award criteria. This is an incredible honor, and we are proud to be recognized for an excellence for another five-year term. 
Um, at the upcoming AFSCME meeting, ThriveRx will also be presenting a rapid-fire research presentation and three additional poster sessions. We're also excited about our many other initiatives for 2018. ThriveRx is unveiling our Nutrition Nurse Navigator program. Nurse Navigators provide consumer and family-centered care during the transition to ThriveRx and throughout their therapy. To improve quality of life, our nurses collaborate with the consumer's entire medical team and hold advanced certifications. These nurse navigators focus on education and training, care management, and outcome monitoring, all while building personal relationships for our ThriveRx consumers. We will continue to produce relevant and top-quality webinars throughout the remainder of 2018. ThriveRx's educational series begins February 8th with a webinar focused on overcoming oral aversion while on nutrition support for both pediatrics and adults. We are pleased to collaborate with Alexia Beauregard, faculty member at the Ellen Satter Institute and a food allergy specialist dietitian. Some of our other topics include PTSD and chronic grief, coping with chronic pain, and strategies to effectively communicate with your medical team as well as continuing our clinical, I thrive, and maximize health content. ThriveRx is known for its innovative consumer products like our strap wrap and our children's books. We are introducing a new HPN mat, which is designed to help maintain a clean work service for our consumers. ThriveRx is also finalizing the production of a consumer-designed backpack, which is incredibly exciting. We are looking forward to another fabulous year providing exceptional consumer-driven nutrition support throughout the United States. If you would like to learn more about our programs and services, please visit us on the web. We're at thriverx.diplomat.is. And thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this Mido Town meeting, and I think you all survived. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elena. We're glad to have you. Um, as everybody knows, in the mitochondrial disease community, nutrition is a key component to the treatment of mitochondrial disease. So we look forward to sharing more about what's going on at ThriveRx with our community over the course of the year. So thank you again. Um, before I close, I have one more update that's been shared with me from MitoCanada. Um, they were not able to join us today. Um, Maureen Lataki has asked me to share with the community. Um, 2017 was a milestone year for the MitoCanada Foundation, including the following highlights. Release of Healthcare for Mitochondrial Disorders in Canada, a survey of physicians. The first ever study of clinical practice for mitochondrial disease in Canada. The study was a partnership between MitoCanada and the Canadian Inherited Metabolic Disease Research Network. In 2017, MitoCanada hosted Mito 2017, the first mitochondrial disease conference in Canada. The sold-out two-day event focused on setting a patient-centered research agenda and featured an integrative approach to mitochondrial disease that is firmly rooted in both Western and Eastern perspectives on energy production and their impact on individual, family, and community health and well-being. Our planning is already underway for MITO 2018. MitoCanada co-founded MitoNet.ca, Canada's largest commitment to date to explore the scientific, clinical, and socioeconomic impacts of mitochondrial dysfunction on human health. 
this 100-plus member group of patient and professional organizations, hospitals, governments, and industry partners have committed to collaborating to advance our understanding of the complex impacts of mitochondrial dysfunction, including initiating a disease-agnostic approach to mitochondrial research that is cross-cutting among many disciplines, including genomics, proteomics, molecular biology, pharmacology, physiology, bioengineering, epidemiology, and economics, providing new opportunities for diagnostic, therapy, and prevention by connecting various domains of science and medicine in an open, innovative environment, supporting research knowledge, translation, and training of tomorrow's leaders to further propel Canada to global leadership in many areas of mitochondrial research, including drug discovery, computational science, and ethical, legal, and social issues. Mitochan Canada launched a new online peer-to-peer -peer support group. Anyone impacted by a diagnosis of mitochondrial disease knows the sense of isolation, loss of control, and feeling helpless. Our goal is to create a vibrant community to share insights and ideas and help answer each other's questions and celebrate good news. Team Mito marked Canada's 150th birthday by breaking the Guinness World Record for the most linked runners in complete, I'm sorry, to complete a marathon. 112 people were tied together with surgical tubing and ran 42.2 kilometers at the 2017 Calgary Marathon. Team Mito powers Mito Canada by participating in sport-related awareness and fundraising activities. More information is available by contacting info at mitocanada.org. So on behalf of MitoAction, our team, our board, we thank everyone for joining the call today. We are looking forward to 2018 being a phenomenal year for the mitochondrial disease community filled with significant advancements and increased collaboration within our community. We're so thankful for each and every member of the MITO community, to our physicians and industry partners who work tirelessly to develop treatments and better care for our community, we thank you. And to our patients and caregivers, we hope you continue to feel the support of this community and know you are not alone in this journey. However we can support you, never hesitate to reach out to us. We look forward to 2018 and all of the new initiatives. This is uh, just a final reminder that the call, today's call was recorded and will be available on the MITO Action website at www.mitoaction.org slash podcast. And we will also have a written summary of today's call within the next week or two available on our website, which we will email as soon as it's available. So on behalf of all of us, again, thank you so much for your time, for sharing what's new for 2018, and we wish everybody a wonderful new year. Thank you so much, everybody.